Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. So whether you're joining us on Grace FM Live or you're joining us online live, take your Bibles and open them to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 16, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and Nahum chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1. That's really where we're going to be spending most of our time in Nahum, but I want to show you in 1 Chronicles chapter 16 as well this big theme. The Bible study that I've entitled today is We Know That the Lord is Good. We know that the Lord is good. In good times and bad, in happy times and sad, in easy times and hard, and especially in times like these, we must understand and we must be reminded and we must lean into the truth that we know the Lord is good. We know that the Lord is good. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, our salvation. Gather and rescue us from among the nations, so we can thank your holy name and rejoice and praise you. <laughs> of course, it's easy to praise God when things are going well. When things are going well, the, it, it comes so quickly out of our lips. The Lord is good. And we associate the goodness of God with the goodness of our circumstances. So when things are going well, we're like, of course the Lord is good. Yes, praise the Lord. It even becomes this language that we have as Christians. They call it Christianese. And we walk around saying, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. And, and, it, and together, you would probably finish this with me right where you're at. So, so if I was to say, God is good, you would say, all the time. And then I would say, all the time, you'd say, God is good. And as you would respond to that, it's much easier to say that when times are good, when circumstances are going our way. God is good all the time, of course. When you get a raise, when your family's healthy, when winter ends and springtime begins, God is good. When the Dodgers win another World Series, oh yes, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. But how about when times are tough? How about when times are difficult? Because there are always going to be those times when it's very difficult to announce and affirm that God is good because my circumstances can change so rapidly. We can go from one good moment to a bad moment almost instantly. And things have become so difficult that I simply don't believe that God is good. It's hard to affirm it because I see all these terrible things and I'm experiencing great difficulty and I simply don't believe that God is good any longer and I definitely don't want to say it. I, I look at what I'm going through, I, I express what I'm feeling and my answer is not that God is good. And then I begin to doubt the goodness of God. I begin to doubt that he's faithful in my life. I begin to doubt that he even cares about me. And those are real feelings. They're not unusual. I'm certain that all sorts of feelings have been coming up in your life recently. Things that you haven't thought about in a long time. You're beginning to doubt the goodness of God because fear has gripped your heart. Because 
you are not sure now how the future is going to pan out. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. You were on the other end of a layoff or a furlough or you received a pay cut, or now you're in the home and you're not able to go outside, or you've been self-quarantined, or a, a million other things. You know, for, for many of you, I realize that you already had some challenges and difficulties in your life, and now you've got one more, and it's just heavy, and it's one after another after another, and you hear some other pastor, it's almost like, you, like you're thinking, if I hear one more pastor talk to me about the goodness of God, I'm just gonna lose it. Don't. Don't lose it, because God wants to reveal himself to you with the perspective of his goodness, that no matter what's happening in our lives, God is good. And that's where Nahum is. If you flip over to Nahum chapter one, Nahum is in a familiar place himself. He is announcing God's judgment upon the nation of Assyria. He's announcing these terrible, horrible things that are coming from God to this nation that has rebelled against him. I mean, listen to some of the things he says. Pick up with me in verse three of Nahum chapter one. It says, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry and dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains will quake before him. The hills will melt and the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. And then out of the blue, uh, just, just a, a real shift in thinking. Judgment, judgment, quaking. The God's judgment is coming. Who's going to be able to stand? Who can endure the fierceness? And then out of the blue, verse 7. And there are those times in our lives we just need out of the blue, verse 7 in our lives. That's what we need. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. I mean, isn't that so encouraging? The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the time of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. And those are our three points today that I want to share with you in our time remaining. Three things, if you're taking notes, that are very important for you to remember. In, in any time, but especially in times of fierceness and difficulty and trial and calamity and an overwhelming sense of things being out of control. I want you to remember Nahum chapter one, verse seven, three things. Number one, if you're taking notes, remember this, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. This is the spiritual battle for your life right here. This point, this foundational theological truth, your understanding of God, it begins here. Listen, this is the spiritual battle for your daily spiritual, mental, and emotional health. It's right here, right here in the mind. And it's this question, do I believe in this moment that God is good? Because it's important that you have this basic fact of your relationship with God. You just know that God is good. This is foundational. If this foundation is cracked, if you don't have this foundation, you will be, and I will be, under great spiritual attack on this very place. This world system that we live in, 
our own humanity, our flesh, and the devil himself are, current, are constantly defying and trying to undermine this theological truth. It's an absolute. Whether we believe it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we affirm it or not, this is the truth. The Lord is good. And yet the devil is constantly trying to undermine this fact, asking the question, like, like in the backdrop of circumstances, asking the question, is God really good? And you know, it gets translated like this. If God was so good, then why did he allow? Or why is he allowing? Or why doesn't he stop? Or why doesn't he help? And it sometimes will come from people in our lives where they'll say, well, you know, if I was God, and we just have to step back there just for a minute and say, I thank God you're not God. I would not want you to be my God. Little G. You see, this undermining of the truth started back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, given complete control of the entire garden, but more than this, a deep abiding relationship untouched by sin with God. That's what Adam and Eve were given. They experience a closeness to God that we won't experience until we shed these earthly bodies. I mean, the best of the best you've ever experienced, Adam and Eve had it better. And they were given full control to enjoy everything in the garden, but. And so what does the devil do? He comes and he says, what do you mean? You can do everything in the garden, but. Has God indeed said? And he began to question the word of God, which then begins to question the integrity of God. You know, somebody questions your word, they're questioning your integrity. And he's questioning the integrity of God. He's questioning the goodness of God. And he's saying, you know what? If God was so good, he wouldn't hold out on you. (laughs) If God was so good, he wouldn't hold out on you. No, he would give you everything because that's what good gods do. They give us everything. And he tells Eve, did God really say that? And this is a powerful temptation that comes to us and probably has already come to us. When things don't line up with the way that we planned or the way that we wanted it to, where we've found ourselves in, in a position of praying and desiring something deeply, and so we lay it before God, and we're expecting God to answer it, and we want it so bad, and we think it's God's will, and the answer was no. No, you can't have this. No, you can't have that. No, you can't go there. No. And because God doesn't do it your way, it's easy to falsely conclude that God doesn't care and that God doesn't see and that God isn't for you. He's against you. And that ultimately, it's really an undermining that God isn't good. And it can be so overwhelming at times. The devil is really successful at this because he capitalizes and he takes advantage of a weakness in my life and a weakness in your life, I'm sure too. And that weakness is this. When I am in a difficulty, I don't see the big picture. I am stuck in the moment of pain and I am stuck in the moment of grief and I am stuck in the moment of anxiety and worry. Oh, I know, you, you might be listening in, and you go, well, Ed, those are sinful. And I, I know they are, but they're real. It's not like you know, anxiety comes upon you like you really want to sin. It's not like you lose a loved one or you lose something and you experience in grief. You go, oh, I think I'll just want to wake up and sin with grief today. Or I want to sin with worry today. Or I want to sin wondering how I'm going to take care of my... No, I know they're sinful. I, I, know that, I know that we can get caught up in the emotion, but here's the thing. Sometimes it just comes up on you and you don't have any control over it. You just, it's a wave. It's just, uh, you're blindsided. 
by the reality of circumstances that changed. I mean, I don't know about you, but in these last few weeks, I've developed this, I've developed this um, sense of waking up in the morning and wondering what changed while I was asleep. I had that a little bit being a pastor of a church. I know that things can happen. Uh, and I remember uh, not too long ago when we had the Aurora Theater shooting uh, that uh, things changed overnight, like just dramatically from midnight on. And, and by the way, I think this might be a word. Not, I'm, I'm using, I used it last night, perhaps. Today I'm using it might. Um, this, isn't, this isn't might or perhaps. This is a word from the Lord that some of you are still reeling from the trauma that you experience in the theater. And this was now another trigger of that and you're wondering what's going on. Uh, and it's just a trigger. You, you've got some more traumatic changes going on in your life, and then that it's digging up this former trauma. And, and you know, the Lord's with you. It's still true that God is good. That may not be the trauma that triggered up in you, but for some of you, that, that theater shooting is just still, it's like it's just right back in your face like it was yesterday, the challenge of it all. The problem is, is that the devil knows I don't see the big picture. I don't know what God's working out in my life. I just feel the momentary pain. I see the momentary loss. And I don't know what God is doing. We're living like the men and women in the Bible. We're living like they did. They're, they're, things are being revealed to them day by day, or what I like to say in real time. They, they didn't have the book of Hebrews. Joseph didn't have all of those chapters in Genesis. He lived those chapters in Genesis. Just like you and I, we are living the chapters of our life page by page, in some cases word from word. And the thing that we need to guard and the belief and the thing that we need to protect is that we know that God is good. Because we've experienced it in the good times and God hasn't changed. God is still good. It's easy to get caught up in the pain and the fear and the anxieties, and the overwhelming worries, that I'll start to challenge God, and I'll start to challenge his goodness myself. I'll start to be angry with God. I'll complain to God. I'll have it all figured out for him, because the motions have overtaken me. I'll forget what the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that his thoughts for me are peace and not evil, that they're good. He says, the thoughts I have towards you are good, they're for a future and a hope. He's not wanting to destroy me. The current, the current trial that we're in is not intended to destroy us, but to destroy our flesh and our trust in ourselves. It's designed to build us up, to bring us to a place of great faith. And this is part of it. This is the existence. This is it. This is it. This is part of the process of being a believer in Jesus Christ. But in difficult times like this, it is easy. And, you know, one of the things, that, just driving in yesterday, uh, just driving in, I had this, I don't even remember what the trigger was, but I know this crisis has made me a lot more sensitive to grief in my life. It's been seven years since I uh, lost my son, since we lost Eddie. It's been seven years. And yet I'm driving up Hampton, coming down to the building, get prepared for the live service, and I had this thought about, I, like I've had more of it, but it really hit me coming up Hampton for some reason. Oh, you know what, it, it was, um, I know exactly what it was now. I was coming up from 470, uh, and I came up Hampton the back way, and I passed the driveway into the neighborhood where my son used to live. That's what it was. I couldn't remember it last night either. I remember it now. Uh, he lived right up the street here. And as I was coming off Piccadilly, coming down Hampton uh, to come up to the building, uh, that was the, the, um, the street we would turn in to go into his neighborhood and go visit him and his child and his house and his family there. 
And so it just, you're, you're more sensitive because you, you, you're, uh, you're, you're restricted. You are facing things that you haven't had to face. For some of you, this is the most overwhelming trial you've ever faced, you've ever been through. And so it makes sense that it would trip up things. And then you begin to doubt that God is good. No, he is good. He is good. That even if you find yourself in a faithless position, because you know a lot of times you beat yourself up over that. So he goes, I'm so faithless. I'm so faithless. Uh, on the one hand, I don't think we should celebrate it. But on the other hand, listen, the Bible says if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And there have been times where the only thing that really sustained me was the knowledge that God was good. And all things were working together in my life because I love God. And it's true for me, it's true for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say most things, it doesn't say some things, it says all things. All things are working together. I mean, again, thinking of this, and it's fresh on my mind, but I mean, Marie and I have been in some very difficult situations in our 30 plus years of marriage, in our 29 plus years of walking with the Lord. Some very difficult, deep situations. I mean, thinking of us standing, I have visual, I'm one of those guys that has a, uh, what do they call it, a photographic memory. So things in my mind come back as pictures and I can see them like they were yesterday. It's, they're vivid in my mind. And I remember standing there with Marie on more than one occasion looking down on a bed, hospital bed, with my son lying there, being prevented from us, help, we were prevented from helping him, and overwhelmed with the situation, beaten down by the pain and the emotion, at the same time being blindsided by people's sin and wickedness and nastiness, and, and coming to the place of just being raw and, in, and just in a place of not recognizing it, but the only thing that would carry us through was in the back of our mind, we knew that God was good. And we're not sure how things were going to turn out, but we knew that God was good and it kept us step by step, piece by piece, as God is doing that in your life. Don't forget that God is good. Number two, Nahum chapter one, verse seven. Number two, it says, not only is the Lord good, but the second part of that verse in verse seven is, he's also a stronghold in the day of trouble. Would you circle that word stronghold and right next to it, protection, right next to it, shelter, right next to it, refuge, refuge, shelter, protection, a fortress. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now, when you're challenged right now in your faith and you're challenged with all that's going on in your life, where do you run? And I know a lot of people are running to and fro. I know a lot of people, even believers, I've, you know, this thing of being in one place at one time and not being able to go here, and it's causing things to, trials, trials always reveal. Trials always reveal. We think that trials create stuff in us, but trials don't create stuff in us. Trials reveal. They, they reveal the foundation on which we uh, build our lives. They reveal where we are spiritually. They reveal hidden sin. And already that's, began, that's happening. Already we're getting emails and calls of hidden sin being revealed because you're in that place and now God is dealing with you. You can't run around anymore. You can't run over here. You can't run over here. God has you in a place where you're staying put and now you're staying put. Why? Because God wants to teach you how to run to him. He wants to teach you that he's a stronghold and a shelter. 
that if you run to alcohol, you run to pornography, you run to drugs, you run to friends, you run, if you continue to run, you're gonna continue to run away from the goodness of God and you're gonna continue to run away from the protection of God. But listen, here's another misunderstanding. Just because God is good doesn't mean that God will always keep us out of trouble. Because <laughs> that's, you know, when you come into crisis, now the question is, well, I guess God's not good because he let this horrible thing happen to me. He let this horrible thing happen to my country. He let this horrible thing happen to the globe. He's let all these, and so therefore, if, if bad things have happened, then therefore God can't be good. But just because God, just, just because God is good, I don't know, because God is good doesn't mean that you and I won't face trials, the exact opposite. In this sin-soaked world, we're all gonna face tribulations. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. We're going to have trouble. In Psalm 34, 19, we don't like the first part of this Psalm. I haven't met in many, many people that have made this one of their, uh, one of their memori- memory verses forever and ever, Uh, They like the second half, you don't like the first half. Listen, Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You know, there's gonna come a time where we're delivered from our present circumstance. There's gonna be a time where we're delivered from our present pain and suffering. Things will get better. Things will get better. They will continue to improve in our relationship with him, even if circumstances around us are hard. I think in our present crisis, we will gather together again. In our present crisis, there will be a solution to it. But the question is, will you be better? Will you have run to this shelter, this place of strength? Do you know God today not only as good, but as your protector? Do you know God today as the one who is your shelter? Do you understand that his name is a strong tower? In your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Do you realize that? Remember, Paul's crying out to God, take this thorn away, take this thorn away. I'm paraphrasing. Take this thorn away. And what is the answer? I'm not taking it away. But I'll tell you something, Paul. In your weakness, my strength will be made perfect. And you're like, no, that's not what I asked for. I didn't ask for your strength to be made perfect. I want the thorn to be removed. And God says, no, you're going to keep that thorn. And I've just come to the conclusion, and maybe you will sooner, maybe you have sooner than I have, or you will sooner or later. But I've come to the conclusion we all live with thorns in our lives. All of us. I've I've developed, I didn't create it. I I might have heard it somewhere or something, so I'm not saying I created this, but the thought was is that we're all going to be limping into heaven because we're all wounded by sin. We're all wounded by humanity. And limping doesn't mean that we're weak in the sense that God can't use us. Limping doesn't mean that we're worse than anyone else. It just acknowledges that life can be hard and difficult. And the place of difficulty will lead us to run. And the question is, where will you run? (laughs) We're all running. Are we running the race of faith? Are we running away from God? The Lord is a stronghold in times of trouble, friend. The safest place on the planet Earth is to be in the Lord. 
He's a refuge. He's a shelter. He's a protected location. He's a fortress. This idea of the Hebrew word stronghold speaks of safety, security, and peace. And there have been so many times and so many days of trouble where the only comfort that I really had was in the name of the Lord, was in the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is, brings great peace and rest to my soul. Just repeating his name, Jesus, Jesus. Which, as I was putting this study together, it reminded me of an old song or an older song that we don't sing too much. Uh, it's kind of a difficult song to lead, as Pastor Ian had shared with me. But let me read you the lyrics. Uh, and maybe some of you know this song. It's from the Gathers, from the Gather Band uh, and the, the Gather family. And here's the song. It's Jesus Jesus, Jesus, there's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. I think it goes like that somehow. You can YouTube it, but listen, I, don't, I hope I didn't lose you. I could hear all these um, computers starting to boom, boom, boom. We're gonna click you off. So here, let me start over. Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim that kings and kingdoms will pass away, but there's something about that name. Listen, Jesus is a stronghold for those in trouble, a strength in the hour of weakness, a place of comfort, help, and peace. He is your hope in time of despair and your place of protection, safety, and defense. Number three. Number one, God is, we know that the Lord is good. Number two, we know that he's a stronghold in times of trouble. And thirdly, we know he knows those who trust in him. God knows when you're trusting in him. He knows. And he loves you. And he understands your weaknesses In Psalm 103, it says that he's like a father to us that has compassion. He has compassion in our weaknesses. He has compassion in in who we are and our present condition. He has compassion in coming alongside of us to support us and help us. The psalmist says in Psalm 94, verse 19, in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. We're reading some of these scriptures and we forget. And don't forget this. This is the Bible. These are in the Bible. People like you and me wrestling with things just like you and I do. And you know, Lord, in the multitude of all my anxieties, all my worries, all my concerns, this whole thing in my life has, has put layer after layer after layer of concerns and anxieties in my life. I'm very concerned about you, the church, and how you're doing and to make sure you're okay wherever you are. I'm very concerned about the staff here that serves you completely, continually. I'm very concerned about uh, what's happening in families. I'm concerned about kids that might be in homes with abusive parents now, and they can't go get out. I'm, I'm concerned about those of you that are addicted to alcohol, and you're just gonna drown your, I, I mean, it's just layer after layer after layer, and if I, don't, if I don't allow God's comfort to minister to my heart, it'll just crush me. I need to run to my stronghold. I need to trust the Lord with you and with my home and with the needs of our church and the needs of our community. You know, I have these visual pictures of of families in hospice and 
I have these visual pictures of families in the hospital and they can't, I mean, I've got a brother that's texting me that they had to make a decision about uh, their mother's, their elderly mother's cancer surgery this week. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. And, and what I do is I, I, I want to be that example to you as I'm learning to cast my cares upon the Lord. But it doesn't mean I don't have all these feelings. I do, all these concerns. I want to be faithful. I want to communicate. I want to take care of you. I want to be faithful as a pastor, as a leader, as a husband, as a dad. And I'm sure you've got the things that are going on in your life. You see, in the middle of a great trial, in times of grief and sorrow, and so many uncertainties, fear and anxiety are normal responses. You're not out of your mind. You're not out of your mind if you're worried. You're not out of your mind if you are filled with anxiety. Yeah, you may be crossing the line into sin, and so just take them to the Lord. Just let God deal with that. But I don't stand in judgment on you. I don't even stand in judgment on myself. If it was up to me, I wouldn't have these feelings. If it was up to me, I wouldn't have my flesh. I mean, I'm in the Word, I'm in prayer, and I'm still dealing with these things, and so are you. But you're not a bad person. You're not a bad believer. You're not... um, tossed away by God. Just remember that the Lord is good. Remember that he's a shelter, a stronghold in a time of great trouble. Remember that he knows, and it says, not, it says very personally, he knows those. He has a relationship with you. He knows when you're trusting in him, and he knows when you're not. You know, nothing's wasted in your life. If you choose to trust in your own wisdom, you choose to trust in your own devices, you choose to let anxiety get the best of you, God will allow you to go your own way. I mean, how many of us can share that testimony? You want to be worry war? Go ahead. And you'll come to the end of yourself eventually because worry adds nothing. And Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. You say, yes, Lord, I trust you today. He'll let you go your own way. And even that won't be wasted. It'll just make things more miserable. But he knows who trusts in him. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Give your burdens to the Lord. I'm reading from the New Living on this one. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he'll take care of you. (laughs) Write it down. Memorize it. I didn't give a memory verse. I forgot to do that. So here's your memory verse for this service. Psalm 55, 22. Give your, and do it from the New Living Translation. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. Who's going to take care of me? He will take care of you. Give your burdens to the Lord. And the rest of it says, he will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Why is it so hard to trust in God? Why is it so difficult? It's easy to give the advice. Somebody called us and say, hey, I'm going through this, I'm going through this. Most likely you'd say, well, let's just pray. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's cast it. But when it's your problem, why won't you do that? Why is it so hard for us to trust in the Lord? Well, I think we're willing to trust God up to a point. And then when we're willing to trust God up to a point where, you know, we're in that place where, okay, I'll trust him and then up to this point and then when we cross that line, then we're going to take things in our own hands. You know, I'll, I'll trust God, but when he doesn't come through for me, then we'll jump in to try to fix things ourselves. Only to find out that we make things worse than they were to begin with. And it's very important that we do trust God. And this becomes a place of spiritual battle for us because the devil knows The devil knows. God knows this. God knows this even more. So many of you know it by experience, but the devil knows it too, that the only place of true peace and the only place of true absolute strength for the believer is in the Lord, is to trust him. 
that, that place that you are never more stronger in your walk with Jesus in that moment of faith and trust. And then that moment's built on another moment, on another moment, and then you have a, an hour of trust. Then you have a day of trust. And then you have a week of trust. And then you have a month of trust. And then you have a legacy of a life of faith. Not perfection, but faith. But it starts moment by moment because in that moment, like, like with everything going around us, even though we're watching online, even though we're listening on the radio, even though we're connected by technology right now, even though we're watching on the app, even though we're in, in a variety of different ways and we're doing things a little different now, but also doing things very much the same, right now this is a refuge. You and I need the Word of God more than ever. More than ever. Personally in our devos, personally in our Bible study. And we don't need to go searching around, searching around, searching around. We just need to settle ourselves before God and trust Him. Because you're safe there. And just verbalize it out of your, I trust you, God. Because He knows you. He knows your sorrow. He knows what fears have filled your heart. He knows your disappointments. He knows your sadness. He knows the heavy trials you're in. He knows your bank account. He knows the uncertainty of the future. He knows your loneliness. He knows you. But not only does he know you, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know that he's good, that he's faithful, that if you choose to put your trust in him, he will be a stronghold for you. You will know, according to 2 Samuel 22, that God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. You'll know in Psalm 9 that all those who know your name will put their trust in you. You'll know in Jeremiah 17, 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. You'll know in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, for this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. He knows. He knows. So as the worship team come, comes back up, I want to read to you the lyrics of a song that have been ministering to me and Marie uh, since it came out. A very powerful song. We sing it here often. And for me, it's very hard to sing this song without just losing it. Uh, just losing it. It's called The Goodness of God. And I believe it was written and performed by Jen Johnson. And here are the lyrics. It says, I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Because all my life, you've been faithful. And all my life, you've been so, so good. With every breath that I'm able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And it goes on to say, I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. And in the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. And with every breath that I'm able, and I will sing of the goodness of God. And then it goes on to that section at the end where it says, because your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything because your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Listen, 
no matter where you're running, which direction you're going, the goodness of God, he's chasing after you. The goodness of God, I get that picture of just the goodness of God going and wanting to overtake you. I remember when the kids were younger, we would be in the park and we'd play around and sometimes we would go and we'd chase each other. And when I was chasing after my kids, my whole goal was to catch them. My whole goal was to tackle them. My whole goal was to overcome them. Oh, not to hurt them, uh, although maybe a little bit, not to hurt them like permanently, but to enjoy them, to, to overtake them. My whole goal of chasing wasn't just to chase them and then quit. My whole goal was to overtake them and to tackle them and to laugh with them and to enjoy them and to have that relationship with them in a new, fresh way. And that's the work of God in your life right now. And so I invite you, believer, let's just stand together as we end. Stand together. We're not going to end. We're not going to close the computer. We're not going to flip off the TV. We're going to learn to stick around. We, we need as much time together as possible. And let's sing this song unto the Lord. Let, let's, let's sing our hearts out. Let's set aside the cares and concerns and worship God. And I was just watching uh, on a channel the other day, Franklin Graham looking into the uh, Franklin Graham looking into the camera and saying, if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, pray this prayer right now. So I'm going to do that with you. I'm going to invite you, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you're listening to me, you're watching me, uh, you're reading a transcript of this somewhere. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. And you can ask him into your life. You could say, God, I admit that I have sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me, and I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life from this day forward to following you. And if you prayed that prayer, and you say an amen to that, we welcome you into the family of God. And I wanna invite you to go to our website, calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, Scroll down to the bottom. There's a tab that says how to know God. And it will explain much deeper what the Bible has to say about a relationship with God and the forgiveness of your sins. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223 or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.